Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast. Here to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge. Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast, everybody, where it's our goal to help you get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. We are getting so close to the season. So close. Training camp has started, and we're going to start getting all of the news and see those highlights of players uh, going against defenses, not really trying to tackle because they're told not to hurt their offensive players. But you know what? When Najee Harris carries five defenders on his back, I'm going to take it as he's going to do that in the game, and he's going to kill it, all right? But when it's a player I don't like, it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? When Joe Mixon breaks (laughs) off that... 60-yard run in training camp. It's Everybody, just training camp. Get your bingo cards ready. This is going to be a fun episode. As always. Make sure to check out the Ball Blast Football website at ballblastfootball.com. We have some awesome writers out there putting out amazing content every single day. If you are so generous, please smash that five-star mark on your Apple Podcast apps or wherever you listen to the podcast. Or you know what? If you've already done that, take take your mom's phone, take your mom's mom's phone, or your dad's phone, or your dad's brother's phone, or if you have friends other oh than family, Lord. take their phone and help us keep skyrocketing. Like we said on last week's show, we did get to the top 40 in fantasy sports podcasts, so please help us keep crawling. Help us. And we did say we'd shout out one person every episode. That leaves us a little nice review. You know, if you leave us a bad one, we probably aren't going to read that out loud. Unless it's really funny. Unless it's funny, but that, let's not shoot for that. Um, <laughs> but let's give a shout out to Mike Drop 620 Loved his review. He said, I added this show to my subscriptions after hearing Michelle on the NFL Fantasy Football Show shortly after the season ended. The gang here give great advice and have helpful insight. They're also entertaining to listen to and remind me of how me and my friends and coworkers talk about football. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. And that's what <laughs> I hope it sounds like. Like, you know, we're just having a normal conversation. And we get a little heated. But, you know, everyone does. Uh, besides those awesome five-star remarks, which we enjoy so much, uh, don't forget to support the team over on Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash ballblast. We give out some awesome extra content over there, including exclusive channels on our team's new Discord server and automatic entries for Ball Blast giveaways. Uh, one of our most, uh, the giveaway we're doing shortly, it's a Nick Chubb helmet we're going to give away and we're giving that away at the Fantasy Football Expo. Uh, so you're going to get to have a real leg up if you're a part of the Ball Blast Patreon, but hopefully you're going to the Fantasy Football Expo. Jake, are you officially going? 
I am officially gonna be at the FF Expo in Canton OH, as in, oh my goodness, we're going to be around some pretty neat people there. And we're going to meet each other for the first time. Which we is are going to meet insane. each other for the first time. We are going to We're get going to, to have to get on some live streams there. Good God. Um, and just like have a blast for a hot second. A ball blast? A ball blast. Oh my god, you said it! You said the buzzword! <laughs> <laughs> Today, guys, we have an awesome show. You know what? I love giving takes. It's just my thing, right? I have You these, know. I have these takes I feel, and I want to give them, and I want to explain my reasoning. Like, I just want to give a take. Like, I want a platform to explain my reasoning why I have these takes. So today, we're doing a fantasy by yourself. We're each going to give two of our favorite fantasy takes for the 2021 season, and then the other two of us will decide if we're buying or selling your fantasy take that you're giving. So come with a strong argument if you want us to buy it. Uh, and I don't think either of us, any of us, will be scared to say, so your loser take, because we're not, we're not the <laughs> nicest people. Uh, I won't say it like that. I won't say loser take to your face. I will tweet it out later, maybe. But I would never say it on this podcast to your face. That is very fair. And before we get into our talk of the town today, I think we need to take a second. I think we need a cheers. To you, Jake. We need a cheers to you, Jake. Because Aaron Rodgers is back in the building. And he is a Green Bay Packer for the 2021 season. You have another shot at that championship ring. How do you feel, sir? It feels so good. It feels so good to see him walk in and he struts into the facilities. He doesn't even just come in like a regular schlub. He's got like the sweet ass shades on. He's got his yoga pants on, basically. He's just like loving everything and shoulders are back, just (laughs) strutting into the facilities. And I said, yeah, that's a guy I can get behind for this year again. Uh, And not only that, but he brought back a relic from the past. One of my favorite Packers of all time, Randall Cobb. (laughs) Uh, I, I, that sounds bad. I'm sure there is a positive uh, definition to relic, there. and that's relic, the one that I. I meant. don't think relic has like a negative connotation. It's just like, God, relics are old, like so old. <laughs> Guys, I've never heard of this word in my life, so we're good. It's usually oh, oh. used in like museums. Like I, I don't go to museums. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Fantasy football. But no, it feels museum. good. Yeah, that's about all I would go to. But I want to do a cheers to you. So cheers. Anyone out there with a drink, put up your drink. Have a cheers mm. to Jake. He can be a happy Packers fan for at least one more season before we get into all the drama again next offseason. That's clearly going to happen. But at least you have another, you know, four months of happiness. It turns out this entire <laughs> protest was just about Randall Cobb. So I... Uh, Godspeed, Randall Cobb. He must be one heck of a friend. And it does turn out it was about money, which Roger said it wasn't. Bum, bum, bum. It was about a lot of things, all right? Mostly it was about Randall a lot Cobb. of things. He had reasons. Mostly Randall Cobb. That's all it was. <laughs> all right. Our talk of the town today. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. Uh, another sad one. I mean, last week our talk of the town was about Cam Akers uh, tearing his Achilles, and now our talk of the town this week. Sadly, it's probably going to be you know a lot of injury based things for talk of the towns upcoming up weeks. But this time it's Michael Thomas. We get an alert randomly that he's going to miss a big chunk of the beginning of the season because he got surgery in June on that ankle. You know he clearly is not recovering very well. 
uh, had to go through surgery again, which is a four-month recovery. Uh, June, July, August, that can mean he misses all of September. And that's if he's on track. Uh, a little a little scary there. I don't there, think it's as scary as you are making it sound. Really? Okay, well, this is a great question then, because I... Are you still willing to draft Michael Thomas? And how far does he have to fall in your redraft drafts to be willing to take a shot on him? Okay, yeah. so I, wanna, I will take him. I will take him 100%. Well, I want to. Like, okay, yes, we're all going to take him if he's in the 12th round. That's not the question. <laughs> Where in the draft are you willing to take a guy that could miss uh, at least a month? And we dealt with this last year. Michael Thomas was supposed to come back. He was supposed to come back. He was supposed to come back. He just never came back. Until the very end, and he wasn't Michael Thomas anymore. Yeah, except that he was still putting up wide receiver one numbers. Yeah, he was numbers, still good, but... But it, do- it doesn't matter. For fantasy, it doesn't matter. He was still having 100 receiving yard games with Taysom freaking Hill. That's going to be who he's playing with again. Well, I'm saying, and he was able to do that while his ankles were sawed off. Like, And they're still going to be sawed he off. He was very unhealthy. No, but so like we... we Come into this season, he did not have his ankle surgery until the month of June. The expected recovery time from that specific injury per Ian Rappaport is four months. So, like, you're looking at October. You will miss probably at least a month. And then there's probably going to be an acclimation period. But I think Michael Thomas is most certainly going to win people some fantasy football leagues because... People are going to be uh, sick of waiting. So even if you don't draft him, I feel like somebody's going to be tired enough of having him clog up the roster by week five. Maybe you can make a trade for him. But Michael Thomas, like, they were trying to take this conservative approach, which is why he had his surgery in June. And guess what? It didn't work. He, He didn't recover. He needed the surgery. The timetable's crappy. But, I mean... The hope is that he's fully recovered in the the time that they say he is. So, Jake, he was going in the second round before this news. Clearly, he's going to fall quite far. What round, like over what player, maybe, like I can name some players for you, but do you have a round in mind you'd feel comfortable taking Michael Thomas? So I was actually just on the clock for the Raz Bowl draft, and he went... In the eighth round, at the very start of the eighth round. Okay. And I feel like at that point, if you're getting into round eight, one QB league, right, you're going to be through the majority of the top talent at receiver by that point. Because here's some guys who went right around him. You had Cortland Sutton right before him, who I think is probably like almost my dividing line at this point. Yeah. But then you've got like guys like T.Y. Hilton, LaVisca Chenault. No, thank you. Uh Debo Samuel, even though I like Debo, I don't think he has as much upside as as Michael Thomas does. You brought up a very interesting point, Kate, which is, are you patient enough to be able to have him on your bench for, and I'm going to say, I'm not banking on him being there until November. I just want that assurance because I feel like November, we know he's going to be there. Anything before that, hopefully he will be. I'm not. If I have an injury designation slot, though, that I can put him in, of course, I'll do that unless another injury crops up. So eighth round is pretty much where I'm looking at, maybe seventh, um, just depending on where things fall. Yeah, that's the big thing. Like if the team expects him to at least miss four weeks, 
but they're not sure he's going to make it back by week five, week six. Like, then he's going to be on the pup list, right? He's going to miss six weeks for sure then. Um, and that's just the minimum. You kind of like, if you have an IR spot, that, that definitely helps. But if not, then you're keeping a guy on your bench where there's a lot of redraft leagues out there that have five bench spots. At that point, that's really going to hurt yourself because you're going to get into buys here by week or by week five, by six, and you're going to need those spots. And Michael Thomas then better come back and be a top, not even just top 15, like he's going to have to kill it that you held him on your roster for that long. And you have now the question marks of can Taysom Hill support him? Can Jameis Winston support him if he's out there? Like, we still don't know what this offense is going to look like at all. That's a lot of question marks for me to hold someone if you don't have an IR spot. But you're, you're right. Like, Cortland Sutton's kind of that line. Devonta Smith, it's still, like, probably rather him. You know I'm really high on him. But then once you get into the Debo Samuels, the Curtis Samuels, Michael Pittman, Jarvis Landry area, then, yeah, like, I'll, I'll much rather take a shot on Michael Thomas. But I do think it's going to hurt to hold him on your bench for that long. I think it's going to hurt, but... At the point where you're taking him, so let's say you draft him uh, end of the sixth round. That puts you right around the 72 spot. That's where Raheem Mostert's going. Which yeah, but Devonta Smith's going one pick later and Sutton. Like, Michelle, do you Smith think De- I can't understand that uh, the the fact that never mind. I'm not going. I'm not getting into this again. <laughs> uh, but DJ Chark is going right after him. Some players going ahead of him at that spot. And like I said, I assumed end of sixth round. Um, we've got players like Odell Beckham Jr. Would you not rather Odell than Michael Thomas? No, I'd much. Rather, I'm. You'd shocked. rather that's you love Odell. You'd rather just have no lose six weeks of Michael Thomas and rather have Odell Beckham Jr. At this and you point, don't like him. Ben. At this point in my fantasy football drafts, Michelle, if I'm drafting him at the end of the sixth round, I've presumably got five starters already. If I can't take one single pick at that point, then I must not believe very strongly in my starting lineup. I guess, but if, if you're I running can't... back early, then you can't go running back. If you plan on taking Michael Thomas, then you can't go running back early because you're going to need wide receivers that was way so okay that's way too long of a discussion on where we take michael thomas but do we think michael thomas out helps camara troutman because uh adam troutman is the tight end if you don't know going into his second season no we did not do much as a rookie but rookie tight ends do not usually do much he's very good at dayton people were already you know calling him a tight end sleeper candidate going in like the 10th 11th round yeah if you guys don't remember we had Mike Wright of the fantasy footballers, he, that was his ballsy take, was that Adam Troutman was the guy to buy this year. Yeah, and now he's everyone's favorite sleeper, which he's also our favorite sleeper. Like, he, he's an easy candidate to fall in love with because he should get the targets. He has a receiving chops for a tight end. Uh, I, I think this does help him out a bit. And Kamara, we saw kill it last year without Michael Thomas. So I do think it helps both of them. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I love Troutman this year even more than we did previously because of this, because you now need more than ever a steady, reliable presence in the middle of the field. He is the guy that offers that for them. I don't see Traquan Smith being that guy. I don't see Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris being that presence there. It is Troutman. And he also, on top of that, still has the best red zone outlook of that entire group. So 
And at that position, you know, I would rather, much rather take Troutman at the end of my draft than take Traquan Smith towards the middle of rounds, which is where he's going to be with this news, because you need that more at tight end than you ever would at wide receiver. And I think that the upside is there for Troutman. I think it benefits definitely both of them. I mean, Alvin Kamara's got some pretty crazy splits with and without Michael Thomas. Like, if he's without Michael Thomas all season long and he gets some some targets from Taysom Hill, he's probably going to finish as the RB two. Yeah. I can't rank you ahead and of Alvin or I can't rank you ahead of Christian McCaffrey. But and Kamara even, was fine with Hill after the first two games. Like the the next two, he was, he was fine, fine, but his ceiling was not as high. But another departure that I think we need to like sort of meld in with this and think of even more potential is the fact that Emmanuel Sanders has left this offense. He accounted for 82 targets last season. So you're looking at Michael, Michael Thomas, the primary target in that offense. And then Emmanuel Sanders, who was essentially functioning as the wide receiver too. Jared Cook gone. There is so much opportunity. I mean, you have to imagine that one of these wide receivers, and I don't know who it is, like one of them has to step up. No, they really don't because they didn't last year. Emmanuel Sanders barely stepped up. Like he had the the opportunity of a lifetime. He had 726 yeah. yards and, a, and five touchdowns. In an opportunity. It's respectable. That's respectable. It's fine, but it's not good for fantasy. He's 33 years old. And he was the wide receiver. <laughs> Leave him alone. Yeah. Traquan Smith could do nothing in a great opportunity. Like, I don't expect. There's just some offenses that don't have any good wide receivers. Like, we have to realize. Because, I, I mean, I do it with the Lions. I do it. I say Brashad Perriman's going to be great because who else is there? It's just like, there's a few offenses every single year that do not have fantasy relevant, either running backs or wide receivers or tight ends or all of them, right? Like you don't want a person from any of the team, kind of like the Patriots last year. So that could just be the Saints this year with their wide receivers. All right. Before we get into the exciting part where we give our takes for the 2021 season and you let me know if I'm wrong or right and Kate is wrong or right and Jake is wrong or right, but I'm definitely going to be right. Hint, I'm right. We need to talk about the best best ball platform out there, Underdog Fantasy. Uh, coming off a huge rookie season, the expectations for Underdog Fantasy's sophomore season are sky high. They're answering the call with the biggest best ball tournament ever. Best Ball Mania 2 has a $3.5 million prize pool with $1 million to first place. Why, why are they giving that $1 million and $1? We should figure that out. I'll just take the one million, you know. I won't. I won't be too greedy. I'll donate. My I'll donate the dollar. one dollar. That's okay. Give me the dollar, you guys. <laughs> Give me that dollar. <laughs> uh, I actually think I just learned it. It's the biggest price ever awarded in a best ball tournament. Because I'm guessing there's probably a one million dollar winner. No waivers, no trades, no setting lineups, just drafting. It's the best way, guys, to get ready for your redraft drafts. Because it actually is meaningful drafts. You can do best ball, not even just a million dollar competition. You can just keep doing like $3 drafts, $1 drafts, $10 drafts, and you can win money at the end of the year if you draft correctly. And you don't have to worry about your lineups whatsoever. You are drafting and that's it. Just win money at the end. Go over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, Underdog Fantasy. 
in the App Store or Play Store if you have a stupid Android and take your shot <laughs> at $1 million. And don't forget about that one extra dollar. Be sure to use the code BALLBLAST. That's B-A-L-L-B-L-A-S-T. Again, that's BALLBLAST. Go to underdogfantasy.com. And when you sign up, you get $25 for free. Which is enough to enter the Best Ball Mania tournament. So you, Oh my God, we can help you win a million and one You essentially could win... A million and one dollars by using promo code Ball Blast. So you use luck. our promo code Ball Blast and you win a million and one dollars. Can I have that one dollar, please? I think that's fair. I think Jake really wanted that. That dollar. should be donated to the show and it should be framed at that point. And then we all sign the one dollar bill and we hang it somewhere. That's the agreement that's we make. That's going in the now. fantasy football museum. Yes. As I alluded to earlier. That's amazing. All right. Let's get in to the juiciness. We're going to make... I hate that word, by the, the juiciness? way. juiciness? <laughs> juiciness is the grossest word. It's not. It's, it's fine. It's... It's juicy. Uh, juicy is juicy. just the worst. It's like moist and juicy. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into our moist takes, y'all. Uh, all right. So we're going to start with Kate. She's going to give her first take. We're each going to give... We're each going to give two today. It's She's, so moist. She's going to try to sell us on our take. Jake and I, after she gives her take, we'll decide if we buy or sell. All right. Take number one, y'all. I mean, this one's not going to be very hard to talk me into, so go ahead. Take. I'm the really stage. just talking to Jake yeah. here. Uh, Jake, here. sit back, relax, pop a cold one. Najee Harris is going to be a top eight running back in 2021. And don't you worry, Jake. I was being conservative. I was really trying to hold back there. Najee Harris was the clear-cut running back one in this class. He's already the chef's kiss, perfect size for an <laughs> NFL running back, 6'2", 229 pounds. So he's already got meat on the bones. He a doesn't beast. need yeah, he doesn't need to, to bulk up a la Devonta Smith. He is already the perfect shape and size. I love Najee Harris so much. I wish I could be <laughs> 229 pounds and be called the perfect shape. I know, me too. Oh, my God. In, to, uh, in 2020, he ranked second in the FBS, 1,464 rushing yards, first with 26 rushing touchdowns. That's freaking ridiculous. Second and fourth missed tackles, only behind the beloved Javante Williams, who just, he was a psychopath in that statistic. He had at least a hundred and one or a hundred scrimmage yards and at least one touchdown in all but two of his games last season. He's a good receiver. He had just two drops over the past two seasons on 86 total targets. That is a lower drop rate than Travis Etienne, who was at a 5% drop rate. All right. He dropped just 2.3% of his passes. And ETN is the running back that we widely regard as the best receiving running back in this class. Which is so weird because he just stated that he didn't like being a receiving back like one offseason ago. I've never seen that, but that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, with <laughs> in like So that's just like the prospect Najee Harris. And I think I, watching his tape, I think he would probably have been my running back one uh, or running back two behind Jonathan Taylor if he had come out last season. I genuinely believe it. I just love his tape so much. The stats back it up. But what I want you to consider is that with a god-awful offensive line, they were the second worst 
uh, run blocking team in the NFL last season, the Steelers and James Conner still managed to produce. James Conner played nine games with 40 or more percent of offensive snaps before he was placed on the COVID-19 list in week 12. In that span, he was the RB11 in half PPR scoring. He was on pace for 1,375 scrimmage yards and nine touchdowns. And if you go look at his fantasy points, it was fantastic. It was like 18 points, 19 points, 20 points, 15 points, 14 points. Like, he was doing really well. I wish I wrote this down, but he had uh, either three or four 100 rushing yard games. He was crushing it. And that was with a terrible offensive line. They have plenty of questions there. You have Zach Banner, who's returning uh, from an ACL. But... Kendrick Green, we've heard such good things. He's going to be taking over at Senna. Senna. Oh, my God. I didn't know if he did that on purpose or not. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start calling it Senta. Uh, Kendrick Green, he's, like, so fantastic. I'm so excited about him as a prospect. I've talked about him before. I realized, so I was doing research for the show. It turns out that Kendrick Green was actually recruited to Illinois as a defensive tackle and then switched to left guard and then played – center in his final season there so uh not he's been like a mixed bag of positions and i've wondered if maybe that's why he he fell a little bit he was the eighth most highly graded run blocker among all offensive linemen in the 2021 draft class kevin colbert's already come out to say he is a three down back we expect him to be a three down back because he was a three down back at a high level at alabama and we would be disappointed if he wasn't do you buy or sell, baby? Because this guy's getting 300-plus touches, and he is going to blow all of you guys to smithereens, and he's, I, I would say, top six. I'm glad you finished that sentence, by the way. You, you left it hanging very precariously when you said, he will blow, and then you just paused forever. You just never like, know. You guys away. Um, and, and I think that that was an important end to it. I will let Michelle give... Hers first, because I feel obviously like I know it's going to be here. Yeah, I mean, I obviously agree. I actually, I have a little bit outside of that in my rankings, but I'm not going to be surprised at all. I need to take a sip after that. I'm like heated. Eight running back. I mean, the entire like practice so far in training camp, it seems like it's the Najee Harris show. It's just all focus on him. What can he do? Um, and it, it like apparently he made a great block in the blocking drills today, and Ben Roethlisberger came running out like celebrating with him which is not like a really like a big ben thing to do it seems like he's really like excited about Najee harris there he really wants him to be a part of this offense everybody is so excited he about caught Najee harris. he caught a touchdown today like i think he's gonna be a touchdown machine right off the bat it doesn't really matter what the offensive line is last year was terrible james connor the the running backs in general like the steelers only averaged 3.6 yards per carry james connor himself averaged 4.3 like and if you think Najee Harris is better than James Conner, it's like good running backs overcome terrible offensive lines. I, I know that's not the narrative when it comes to Joe Mixon, but it's like, mm, maybe he's not a great running back. Um, bingo, bingo card. Uh, but like James Conner overcame the offensive line last year and killed it compared to the rest of the running backs. I also think Najee Harris can do that. But like Saquon Barkley, we weren't hemming and hawing about his offensive line. Like we looked at the prospect and – I don't know why we don't look at Najee Harris as the prospect. I do think, like, this is not even me being a Steelers fan because I feel like I would feel this way regardless of where he was drafted. I think 
come next season, he will be a top five dynasty running back. Okay, now I will buy that as a possibility. Where I'm getting hung up on, and you too have actually done a lot to get me to come around on Najee Harris to this point. I will say, I finally now have him as a fringe RB1, which was hard for me to do because I am nervous about the offensive line. I love the point that you brought up about Saquon, and I do think you're right. And of course, James Conner last year, he did overcome that for the majority of it. Do you think... Najee yeah. Harris is better than James Conner as a pure runner. I think as a pure runner, okay. yes. Now, here's where I get hung up, though, as a top eight. Because top eight, it's very close. But when I think of a top eight guy behind a bad offensive line, I think he's got to get targets. Saquon, his first year, got like 120 targets, right? CMC gets all these targets. Can I see Najee getting that level of targets? No, and that's what gives me pause. James on this Connor one. got targets. I think it was averaging like four to five. Targets but he only got forty three, and he barely he got forty three. I will targets. say, Jake, right? Josh Thirteen Jacobs games was the RB eight last year. It was terrible in yards per yeah. carry. Like, do you think Najee Harris is gonna be that bad? Maybe, right? Like he three point nine yards per carry. Uh, he barely got targets. Yeah. But he scored, what, 10 rushing touchdowns, right? Or was it 12 or something? something. That helps. Uh, it, that helps. But do you yeah. not see that? Not, like, do, do you not think that's in the realm of possibilities that have a terrible Josh Jacobs year but still end high because of volume? <laughs> First of all, the descriptor terrible Josh Jacobs year being used as a positive in this context, very Welcome great. Welcome to the Ball Boss Podcast. My, my, my one issue is like, who do I take out of that top eight to put him above. So I look at the ADP, and this is the thing. It's like Barkley, maybe because of the injury, and and if he doesn't play right away, then yes, that would be my initial thought. Otherwise, is it Jonathan Taylor? Is it Nick Chubb? Is it Zeke Elliott? I'd say maybe Chubb. I was going to say Chubb is the, the top guy out of that list to fall out. So if I have to look at it from that perspective, because you're forcing me to here, yeah, I could see a world where he is top eight based on the volume play there, even if he has a point. I say all overall. that, and I have him as my running back 11 because there are so many good running backs. I will end up moving Najee Harris up as the offseason goes on. I already know it. And that could totally be a Steelers bias in me, but I'm already getting excited when seeing him in training camp. I do think he's a super special talent. Um, it's going to be like... It comes down to, you know, the Jonathan Taylors, the Aaron Jones, the Zeeks. He's going to have to beat them out. And it's going to be a hard task. So I do think it's going to come down to health. I mean, And that's kind of not fair because we can't predict mm. who's going to be healthy or not. No, but, I mean, let's look at Zeke, who's had declining efficiency each season in the NFL. Uh, I think he could very reasonably be pushed out of that, that top eight range. Uh, somebody that I'm really shocked by, and I think you guys will be too, uh, that has fallen in my running back rankings is Derrick Henry. Oh, he fell to me. He, he fell. fell he oh, fell. Your man. He fell a decent amount for me, and it really just came down to the fact that the projected passing volume for me was a bit higher. The rushing volume dropped a little bit. And when I say like he dropped in my rankings, I have him projected for 298 rushing attempts. 1,500 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns, and that's still a drop. But <laughs> when you are considering the fact that he does not get passing volume whatsoever, 
Like, he's a guy that's dropped in my rankings. And I do think that Najee Harris, I could reasonably see him overtaking Derrick Henry this season. No, I can never, ever do that. I think that being a Steelers homer a little bit. Like, Derrick Henry, I have him dropping a little bit to RB5. But I still do have him scoring 13 touchdowns, getting over 1,600 yards on the ground. The the biggest issue is his receiving work, right? So I have him at RB5, which he was – like what are before this year he wasn't he wasn't like a top three guy or anything um so i don't think it's falling that far so you I projecting still, him to drop is one spot i guess i thought i had him at rb8 but I, I didn't have him no i down. i reasonably <laughs> think that like you don't bring julio jones and this is the thing that i fell for last season with stefan diggs you don't bring in a wide receiver of that caliber to sit them on the sidelines while you run Derrick Henry. I think the goal is going to be achieving uh, more balance, still being an efficient run-first offense, but I do think uh, Julio I think Jones is going to be very involved. definitely need a um, a White Claw bet on Najee Harris versus Derrick Henry. Okay. I, I think Jake and I will okay. easily take Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, I will. I will. Najee Harris. Now I hope I'm have to check right. Like I hope Najee Harris is better as a Steelers fan. But there's no way, no way that I could take Najee Harris over Derrick Henry uh, in redraft this year. Same thing. I feel like I'm the only one who would lose this bet actually because I'm the only one here who doesn't like White Claw. (laughs) So really, this is just coming back to roost on me. But I'm still gonna go for it. I'm gonna do it. We'll let you chug a beer of your okay. choice as well. All right. We allotted far too much time on Kate's. Uh, I'm buying no, 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 it. Are no, you no. selling? You're selling this take. I'm going to sell it, but it is close. Like I said, I could see him in top 10 okay. to 12. Jake, you give your take now. Um, it's not as juicy as we say. As Kate. No. It's not as moist. It, it is it is really not. But, Kate, you actually were a spur. <laughs> Why? Why? I knew I was going. Guys, so I sent, I I realized, uh, I had Saquon Barkley. I had Michael Thomas. I was like, you know, they were my studs on one of my dynasty rosters. And I was looking things over. I was like, I don't have the depth to overcome if I need to uh, sit these guys for a couple of weeks. So, I was like, it's time to blow it up. So the first thing I did was sent Jake an offer, Marvin Jones, for a third. And he took it. And that's how I'm going to start off yeah. this story. It's right a away. good trade for a, uh, a championship team. Yes. So, Jake, give us your take. Yes. And a good trade for the rebuilding team because Marvin Jones is not going to be useful beyond this year. But this year, I firmly believe... Marvin Jones outperforms all of the other Jacksonville wide receivers. Uh, That's why I was so geeked to get him. It was an instant smash except for me on that. And it comes down to a couple of different things. One, I am not a DJ Chark fan. And that has been exacerbated uh, lately based on, thanks, uh, word of the day toilet paper. (laughs) Um, it's really come in handy so far. It was exacerbated by the stat that was posted by the FTN network that listed the Jaguars uh, pass catchers in terms of their passer rating when targeted in 2020. So LaVisca Chenault was great. 116. James Robinson, of course, as a running back. Yeah, same with James Robinson, right? These guys are super close to the line of scrimmage. Obviously, they're going to have really high 
passer ratings. Then you get to Keelan Cole, respectable 101. Chris Conley, big drop, (laughs) 75.9. DJ Chark, the guy everybody loves. And I've seen as high as wide receiver 20 in some people's rankings. 59.7 passer rating when targeted in 2020. Now, sure, some of his passes that he was having to deal with, he's a little bit more of a deep threat. I get it. There should be some drop-off, but that is still staggering for what you would expect uh, based on where people love him hey, for Jake, this year. Now, here's Jake, I'm going to cut you off here yeah. real quick because I feel like I need to share this okay. stat. Uh, I, I have shared it back <gasps> in the it. day. But since 2019, since they've been together, Baker Mayfield and OBJ's passer rating together is 71. It's the worst in the league by 10 whole points. The next closest is Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones uh, since 2019. But with you hating on DJ Shark in that way and loving OBJ, what, what is your excuse there? I'm I'm not loving OBJ. And let me clarify this stance too. I don't love any of these pass catchers to be wide receiver 20 or above. And I'm not projecting that for Marvin Jones, nor am I projecting that for OBJ. OBJ would be fringe wide receiver two guy. Okay. Okay. And this is not the end all be all of the argument, but fair. I probably do have to reassess my (laughs) OBJ unwarranted love a little bit here. But in any case, in any case, Marvin Jones has uh, some camaraderie with Daryl Bevel, who is coming in. Everybody gets a fresh start, though, for this year because you have a new quarterback, a new coaching system, a new everything. But Marvin Jones is the only one who has even a tenuous grasp to this coaching staff. Marvin Jones has also been weirdly good the last four seasons, and I don't feel, or excuse me, Four of the last six seasons, he's been incredible. The other two, he's had to deal with injuries, and that just sucks. Uh, But nobody is giving Marvin Jones some props. Here's some fun facts about Marvin Jones. Uh, He has not finished lower than wide receiver 30 in points per game over the last four seasons. That's including the injury seasons, because points per game. Not lower than wide receiver 30. If I can project him for a full 17 games... In what could arguably be a at least similar offense, if not maybe even a little better with the generational talent Trevor Lawrence coming in, I think it stands to reason that he could do even a little bit better than that. But also, looking back at the Marvin Jones stat sheets here, <laughs> over the last six seasons, he has had four of those with over 100 targets. He's had nine touchdowns in three of those. And again, I'm counting the ones where he missed like half the season. He's old. That seems to be the argument for his ADP right now. And that's basically it. He's old. Oh, no, he's 32 or whatever it is. 31, I think, coming into the season. (laughs) I don't see. LaVisca Chenault's going to be eaten into by Travis Etienne. He just turned 31. I firmly believe that. That's why he was drafted. Just turned 31. He's so old. But Travis Etienne eating into LaVisca Chenault's territory immediately out of the gate. I don't believe in DJ Chark. Give me Marvin Jones, and his ADP is by far the lowest of all of the pass catchers. And what you just said right there is the key. Uh, If you don't know who's going to lead in targets in this offense, it's perfect to take the guy that's going the latest in ADP, especially when he's probably the most talented out of the group. Like, there's a reason why Marvin Jones is 31 and still in the NFL. Like, 
that's impressive. And he's not just still hanging around the NFL by a thread like a guy like Danny Amendola or something like that. I don't even know how old he is. But he's actually been very productive in the NFL. Like, when he retires, you're going to be like, damn, nice career, dude. Like, really? You did a good job. Uh, And he's one of those deep weapon targets for, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to hit him. Marvin Jones is one of my favorite values this year, so I'll buy this take. I'm one of the DJ Chark supporters fans. I was a bigger fan of his last year. He disappointed me. I hope, like, it it didn't make me feel good when the coaching staff came out this year to be like, he plays, uh, he plays small. It's like, ooh, that's not good. Right. Like, he's a big, tall dude. That <laughs> means he plays, like, weak or skinny. But even if you don't believe that, and even if you are not assessing him to, like, play as small as they're perceiving him, the coaching staff still thinks he plays too small. Yeah. That's not mm-hmm. that's not good. And we always say to assume rational coaching, don't. Don't. <laughs> Stop it. So are you buying or selling this? Buying. 100%. This was a good take. I like it. Getting, no, I will tell you, giving up Marvin Jones was a very hard, hard thing to do. My, my favorite was I just grabbed Marvin Jones in a best ball league. He's perfect for best ball mm-hmm. because he has those massive oh, games and you don't have to worry about trying to find those games, which ones he's going to break out in. It's just when he breaks out, he gets points and that's perfection. But I still believe he could easily um, lead all Jacksonville receivers. So, yes. All right, Michelle. So what do you have? All right. My take. So I put out a list of my top 15 fantasy wide receivers that I have in projected scoring for the 2021 season. And Mike Evans was not on that list and people did not like it. So I'm going to explain this take. So I truly believe Mike Evans will not be a top 15 fantasy wide receiver in 2021. A guys, he was the wide receiver 16 in points per game last year. I don't give people credit for playing the full season. I'm sorry. It's great that you did it, but it doesn't mean that you're going to do it next year. So when I'm projecting out games and your points, like I'm giving everyone 17 games, unless we already know about the injury because injuries are a crapshoot. So he was the wide receiver 16 in fantasy points per game last season. So already out of the top 15 and he only had 109 targets. Like that's not a top 15 type of material wide receiver the thing is he had 13 touchdowns that's a lot of touchdowns now he's with Tom Brady yes Tom Brady's going to throw a lot of touchdowns he could have double digit touchdowns again but like we've seen Mike Evans have massive touchdown seasons before he had a 12 touchdown season his rookie season that went down to three the year after he had another 12 touchdown season in his career that went down to five the season after, and he played 15 games in both of those seasons that they dropped so dramatically. And then he went five, eight, and eight before having this 13 touchdown season again. Like, there is a very, very good chance that drops down to 10 or even worse, eight. And if those touchdowns drop at all, he is screwed because he's not getting the targets whatsoever. In the final three playoff games they played, he only had four total receptions among all of those three playoff games. And a, a big chunk of, or a big reason for that is Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown were now there. Like, he and only, healthy. 
and healthy. He only had, again, I'll repeat, 109 targets last year. And this is with Chris Godwin missing a large chunk of time and being hobbled in a lot of games he did play in. This is with Antonio Brown missing an entire half of a season. He didn't join them for the final eight games. You add them into this offense, I don't see Mike Evans' targets going up. They passed a ton last year, and you only had 109 targets, and then you add two more uh, really talented guys. And this is even bringing up uh, Tyler Johnson, who they drafted last year, who's super talented. Uh, Jalen Darden, who they drafted this year, who's super talented. Do I expect them to get a lot of targets? No, but they're still players that can. Targets are targets. Targets are targets. And when you're even looking at Mike Evans' splits last year in games with and without uh, Chris Godwin, it's pretty drastic. So he played 12 games with Godwin. Uh, he was on pace for 222 fantasy points. That's about 13.9 fantasy points per game. In his four games without him, he was averaging 20 fantasy points per game. 20 to 13. Pretty massive. He was on pace for 1,300 receiving yards in games without Chris Godwin. In games with, only on pace for 890. Targets went from 136 to 100. Like, even his touchdowns, he was on pace for 16 uh, without Chris Godwin. I'm still on pace for 12. Like, he was a good touchdown scorer. Don't get me wrong. Receptions went way down, 96 to 61. So he gained so many of those fantasy points in games without Chris Godwin there. Uh, last year, he had 44% of his games as bus games, wide receiver three or worse. Like wide receiver three, meaning wide receiver 25 or worse that week. 44% of his games. You never know what weeks to start him. You need a touchdown. I have no desire to draft a guy where you need to have a touchdown or two for him to be successful that week. Chris Godwin's the dude I want in this offense. I think he's the main target here. Would you say that... Mike Evans is droppable. No, I would not. But he is in my... <laughs> That's, a call That's back. a callback. I actually have him ranked far too low. I'm going to push him up a little bit, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if he ends in the wide receiver 20 range. Um, I'm not taking him at all at his ADP. And I don't think he's a top 15 wide receiver. Like, pretty, pretty strong. The thing with Mike Evans is that not only are you like counting on him to be efficient, you're also counting on the efficiency of old man Tom Brady. Like you can't I like we've been saying this for the last 75 years since he was a born baby, but it he has to slow down. At some point he has to slow down and he has to be less efficient. I I think like banking on the two of those uh things Coming together in unison, I would rather not. And it's not like uh, Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown can't score touchdowns. Like, Chris Godwin's a very good touchdown scorer. Antonio Brown is has been in his career as well. Uh, and I just don't know if Mike Evans scores another 13 touchdowns. Are you buying or selling, Jake? I'm buying this. And it makes me sad because I just looked it up. I drafted him wide receiver 17 in the Scott Fishbowl. And I didn't even feel good about it then. I was like, I guess I'll take him. But everything you said, all the pass catchers there, adding the tight ends for the Oof. touchdowns. He's basically <laughs> Tyler Lockett. And you can get the actual Tyler Lockett much later in your draft. And and I would rather at this also, point. Also, we're not even accounting for the O.J. Howard breakout oh, this season. Oh, 
every Wait, year. Have we all agreed on like all of these takes? No, funny. I disagreed on the Najee Harris one. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, and I think we're definitely going to disagree on this one unless Kate gives like the best argument in life. Oh. So Kate, give us your second take. We are going to try to go through these second takes a bit quicker because we took way too long in this first one. So Kate, give us your first one. You got three minutes. Good. I have a lot to say, so this is going to be a challenge. But that's fine. Will Fuller is a top 15 wide receiver in 2021. Not too far off in 2020. He was a wide receiver five in weeks one through 12. That literally walked you into your fantasy championships. And then he got, oops, suspended. Um, we don't talk about that, though. But in 2020, he saw career high receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns. In his 11 games active, he had five games of 100 or more receiving yards. He only had fewer than 10 receiving or 10 points in half PPR formats twice in that span. In one of those games, he didn't get any targets. So that's not entirely his fault. Uh, average 14.8 fantasy points per game. And every single game, except those two that I had mentioned before, he had at least 80 receiving yards or a touchdown. And I think that's a pretty nice floor for a guy that we've always considered a boomer bust type of guy uh, highest passer rating versus man coverage when targeted among all nfl wide receivers with at least seven targets which is crazy uh so like literally essentially a perfect passer rating when targeted against man coverage he ranked fourth in fantasy points per snap among wide receivers playing 25 percent of snaps or more ninth in fantasy points per touch now you add in Jalen Waddle, you have Mike Gusecki playing out of the slot. I do think that this relieves so much more pressure. In games where Will Fuller saw at least five targets or more, he's averaged 15 PPR points per game. And that's a pretty low threshold to set. Uh, and that's a pretty big split, actually. He's only seen fewer than five targets per game in 13 of his 53 career games that means in 40 games he's averaged 15 ppr points that's pretty insane now tua needs a number one wide receiver this fits the bill perfectly in his final season at alabama ranked seventh among quarterbacks in the fbs with adjusted completion percentage second for passer rating just barely behind Joe Burrow. And we, we we worship the ground Joe Burrow walks on. He's another year out removed from injury. And best of all, I do want to hit on Tua's like, depth of target because this seems to be like a hitting point for most people. I've said it before. Tua had one more deep completion than Joe Burrow in their rookie seasons. One more deep touchdown. So again, 20 or more yards. His adjusted completion percentage on those deep throws, 45%. That is directly behind Kyler Murray. And it's actually better than Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. That's that's pretty, pretty darn fantastic. Um, now, when you upgrade his receiving core, I think that can only go up from here. I'm so excited for Will Fuller. I'm so excited to see what he does in this offense. And I'm excited to see what Tua can do with him because I think we gave up on him a little too quickly. Yeah, I don't buy it at all. I don't know. I, I He literally was the wide receiver five. With Deshaun Watson. 
As the clear-cut wide receiver one with no other... He is still clear-cut wide receiver one. But Devontae Parker has been in the offense. Devontae Parker is the clear-cut out. I don't want Devontae Parker whatsoever. I'm just saying he could steal That is a joke. That's actually a joke. It's a joke. It's a. It's literally a ha ha ha. Jalen Waddle is more than capable of stealing. I don't know. I don't want any of these guys. The fun fact, but I here, definitely don't want Will Fuller as a top fifty, like top fifty. You don't receiver. even have. You know what? The beauty is, you can buy him as like a wide receiver five. But then you also right have now. to pray that he stays healthy, which is something he has not played a full season yet in his career, not even close to one. Michelle, it doesn't matter if he doesn't stay healthy because you're not drafting him as a wide receiver one, two, He's three, still going or early four, enough. or five. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's still going in the eighth round. Yeah, and if I can get, oh. can I say, I wanna, I wanna buy this so hard because two things. One, Devonte Parker's already gotten injured in camp here the, today. It's not very serious. They don't think it's gonna be super serious. But he's already starting off on the pup now, apparently. So that's uh, not what you would expect based on Fuller's injury history, to have Parker be the one doing that. But I was this close, and in fact, I typed it in the notes, and then I saw your take here. But I actually think Jalen Waddell is going to be the highest-performing rookie wide receiver here. But I could see a world where that gets transferred on to Fuller. Like, I'm I'm not so confident to think that it's going to be Waddle. I just like the way that... Tua, as you said, his deep ball is better than people give credit for. They're going to be bad enough where they're going to have to chuck it. It's just like, who do I believe in more? And at this point, I'm taking whoever has the latest ADP. I want to buy this. I don't know that I can I quite get there, but I'm very intrigued Jaylen by this. Jalen Waddle's like, big production games. I don't have the stats in front of me. I wish I brought them on for this podcast. But most of his like top-end performances in college were not with... Tua. He did not perform well with Tua. Those two clearly did not vibe. Um, the The majority of those stellar performances came with Mac Jones once Tua was injured. All right. Jake, give us your second take. Hopefully it's better than Kate's. I don't know if it is, honestly, but I do not believe that any wide receiver on the Indianapolis Colts is going to finish higher than wide receiver 40. Now, based on ADP, there is only one guy being drafted inside of that, and it is Michael Pittman, second-year receiver, at wide receiver 37, the last that I checked on Fantasy Data. And it's right on the fringe, so I get it. But there's no world to me where I want any single wide receiver on this team near that range. Paris Campbell going much, much later. I don't think he's quite as talented, but I'd rather take the dart throw there. I think what people have in their head right now Carson Wentz gets to reunite with Frank Reich. And so remember 2017, remember how cool that was, and that's what's going to happen this year. You're going to have an Alshon Jeffrey type who finishes, you know, maybe not top 20 like he did, fringe top 20, but very high. Okay, but what if it's 2016 where Carson Wentz was also with Frank Reich and nobody did anything that year? You had your best (laughs) wide receiver was Jordan Matthews at wide receiver 44, and he was the best by far. Then you look at what happened last year in the Colts offense, also with Frank Reich there, T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 42, Zach Pascal, wide receiver 56, Michael Pittman, wide receiver 79. He's a rookie, so I do cut him some slack. But it's just like, why are we assuming this is is gonna happen? Why is Wentz gonna be the cure-all? 
What if he decides to target that gaggle of tight ends that was actually useful across the board last year for NFL, not for us. We didn't care about any of them, but the, in the NFL, all put together, they did very well. Mo Ali Cox, Jack Doyle, and whatever castoffs were there actually accumulated 100-ish targets in that offense, which is probably what's going to happen again this year. But more importantly, the backfield. The backfield gets targets. Naeem Hines, one of the most targeted guys on the team last year. I don't think it goes away. I think Jonathan Taylor's target increase, it targets increases. I think that this is kind of that pipe dream. I'm okay drafting Carson Wentz. I'm not okay drafting any of those wide receivers. Yeah, and I'm totally with you. It kind of goes with what I said earlier this episode. Like, there are just some teams that have positions that you don't want anyone from because there's no one that's going to be good. That's not to say that Zach Pascal's not going to have a few good weeks. That's not to say Michael Pittman won't have a few good weeks or T.Y. Hilton won't have a few good weeks. It's They're all going to have their weeks, and they're all going to be different. And at the end of the year, no one came out as a consistently good wide receiver where they're a top 40 uh, fantasy wide receiver. Can someone sneak into the top 35 possibly but i think i buy your take here like i'd rather bet on them all finishing outside that than someone finishes in the top 30. yeah i i think um i would actually probably buy that like i could picture michael pittman finishing inside you know the like top 30 yeah around that mark okay but the issue is that you have to draft him right around that cost so Am I gaining anything? No, I'm really not. I think you are getting sort of face value for that wide receiver, and I don't think you get the consistency um, than you would even with like a guy like Cole Beasley, should he play for the 2021 season. Like, there are some just PPR monsters that are maybe like possession receivers that I think uh, could be more consistent, finish around the same range, and still just pull off that week-to-week value without the super low ceiling. Yeah, so we both agree. I think you gave very tame takes, Jake. I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Bring the fire next time. Um, Sorry. We're a ballsy podcast. <laughs> so, like, get out of here with your no top. Actually, this next one. Okay, fine. Marvin Jones, top 20 finish. Let's let's just put it on the books right Thank now. <laughs> I love it. That's it. That's all I, I wanted to say. Um, mine, uh, so I feel like if you're, you know, just a fan of football and you love fantasy football, you may not even know that much about this dude, but fantasy Twitter is obsessed with him. And I just want to say, I don't understand it whatsoever. And it's Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney has been so hyped up. Sorry, who does he play for? Michelle, give us the rundown. He's a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. He was a rookie last year, a very late fifth-round pick, Um, a rookie that had 98 targets, put up very, you know, okay numbers. 98 targets, only put up 631 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. Like, okay, okay, like, okay. (laughs) Uh, For a late fifth-round pick, that's fine. I'll give it to him. When you, you know, you watch him out there, he can definitely get open. He's a good route runner. I'll give him all of that. But people are talking him up, and he's going in the eighth and ninth round now in drafts. And now I'm sure in some of the... I could get Michael Thomas for that price. I'm sure in some of the leagues that I was talking about, like, you know, people who aren't, like, living their lives, talking about football every single day, 
you'll probably be able to get him in the 10th, 11th round. I just, I see no upside with him. And I'm not drafting someone in the 10th round that I see no upside with. Like, that's not my goal when I go into drafts to be like, let me go get that safe going in the 10th round that I think will be a 10th round value. Like, your goal when you draft a wide receiver 50 isn't that he's the wide receiver 40. Like, that's not good. Uh, he's not going to help you win any more than if he was the wide receiver 70. Like I'd rather him just suck and I can cut him and be over it. Uh, you're looking for someone with potential and I don't see it with Darnell Mooney. I don't see the upside at all. 10.3 yards per reception last year. Do you know how many targets you need to be good in fantasy at 10.3 yards per reception? Like you need at least 100. What are you saying good in fantasy? Like, what's your threshold Consistent, for that? Consistent. Well, this is what I'm going to talk about. So you had 10.3 yards per reception, only a 62% catch rate. 62% catch rate is 10.3 yards per reception is going to get you nothing and four touchdowns, so super low. And like Kate just asked a great question. I'm going to look at guys last year all the way up to 120 targets, right? All the way up to 12 yards per reception or lower. Um and just see like kind of what we get out of this. Like what is our ceiling? And at the very top, you have Tyler Boyd. You know what? That's an okay ceiling. But at the same time, he was the wide receiver 37 in points per game last year. 37 points per game. He wasn't really doing anything that great for you. And he completed 72. Like he caught 72% of his passes. Not 62 where Darnell Mooney was at. And... uh you know, he had 110 targets. So that's still a big jump up of what Darnell Mooney would need. So if you're saying his absolute top, tippity top ceiling of life is Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 37, it's like, ugh, maybe shoot for something higher. But if he ends up being Tyler Boyd, then fine. I will admit I was wrong, right? He ends up having a 2020 you? Tyler Boyd season, which was not very good. But then the next up guy is Russell Gage. Like that's your next up fantasy guy from 2020. Uh, that's what you're getting out of here. You have your AJ Greens, your Curtis Samuels, your Sterling Shepherds, your Kalen Coles, your Emmanuel Sanders, your Josh Reynolds. Like that's, that's what we're looking at here for Darnell Mooney with the ceiling. If he, and this is him, I'm giving him room to grow, right? I'm doing 12 or fewer yards per reception. He was at 10.3. So I'm giving him 1.7 more yards per reception. I'm get like, the, all of these guys had 72% catch rate, 76, 72, uh, 79, 73, Green. 75. AJ Green, AJ was Green had 45, a 3% catch rate. 45. Three, uh, but 3%. when we're looking at Darno Mooney, he had the second lowest besides AJ Green, 62. I don't know how Andy Dalton makes him this fantastic fantasy asset when he couldn't make CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper a great fantasy. Well, that's asset. your ballsy take is that Andy Dalton is the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. He Yeah, let's talk about that for a second <laughs> here. You are projecting, am I to understand? You are projecting a mostly full season of Andy Dalton for well, the Matt Bears. Well, Andy is not the smartest. So, I'm just saying it could happen and we have to go into the season expecting it to at least start there because he keeps saying it is. And then also, there are not very many um, not many seasons we can look at where rookie quarterbacks have supported two fantasy wide receivers. And we know Allen Robinson is a clear cut target hog there. He's going to get 150 plus targets. So show me how Darnell Mooney is going to hit 130 targets. Like you don't see it. Last year he had 98. The team threw 614 times. Like 
That's a lot for the Chicago Bears. I they they were not very good. Like I think that number comes down. They want to get back to the running game, get back to being more efficient. And you know, all Matt Nagy has said this last month. I want to feed David Montgomery. I want to feed David Montgomery twenty plus times. Like I want this to happen. Um, and it, everyone wants to bring up how Tariq Cohen's going to hurt David Montgomery if he comes back. Which by the way, he's still recovering. He's not fully healthy. I actually don't think it hurts David Montgomery at all, but it can hurt a guy like Darnell Mooney, who is the low average depth of target guy. Like Tariq Cohen could totally be in the slot and hurt Darnell Mooney in that way. I, I, this is feeling so Steven Sims to me from last year. Ooh, uh, a burn. late Steven Sims was undrafted, but like being drafted in the late fifth round undrafted, like there's not that big of a difference. They're both extremely undersized. Uh, like, Darren Mooney's almost 24 years old already, going into his second season. Uh, Steven Simpson's old as well. Like, I see no upside. I see zero upside. <sighs> Not drafting. I disagree on the upside portion. And I only disagree because I blame the quarterbacks for everything last year. <laughs> Allen Robinson, obviously, yes, he still did what Allen Robinson does. But, like, just watching how many terrible throws came to Poor Darnell Mooney, who did nothing but try his best. And those quarterbacks could not do anything for him. I do agree that the passing attempts is going to come down for sure. I think that the efficiency goes up quite a bit for Darnell Mooney. Even with Andy Dalton, it goes up a little bit. My hope is Justin Fields does get in there a little bit sooner. But you're right. There is not a great track record of rookie quarterbacks supporting a good wide receiver, too. So I still think the upside is there, but I can get behind this. And how many touchdowns does he like? How many touchdowns do you think there's going to be in that offense? And do you think when they're in the red zone and they're looking at Allen Robinson or Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet or if Tariq Cohen's out there clear, or David Montgomery, they're gonna be like, let me go for this five nine, one hundred and seventy pound wide receiver draft in the late fifth. That like. Like, that's not going to be the guy in the end zone. Do you think that's what goes through a quarterback's I'm mind, by the way, when they're in the red zone? They're like, look at this guy. He's 5'9". He was taken in the fifth round. Do I do that? Do I not do that? Let me look at this guy and make the exact I'm same just say, The calls are not – I think the coaches call plays. Like, they yeah, know yeah. which guys are better in the end zone and which are not. And there's a reason he only had four last year, and it, it could be because the offense was crap. But – uh, you know, Jimmy Graham is still there, and he was the I touchdown know. guy. Did you know he played basketball? I'd feel better if he – oh, God. Oh, God. No, that's on the bingo card for sure. That's on every NFL <laughs> announcer's bingo card. Now, I will Jimmy, say I would feel better if Jimmy Graham was not there. That's for sure. I think Jimmy Graham is going to be a huge pain in the butt for everybody, and nobody's expecting it. We all thought he'd be cut. He's going to be a problem. I'll say give me – this might sound crazy, but he's going after him. Give me Elijah Moore over Darnell Mooney this year because at least he has a chance to be the wide receiver one on his team. I, I think Darnell Mooney has zero chance unless, you know, Allen Robinson has to get hurt. But I don't see a world where Mooney hits 130 targets and he needs it with his Especially if it's Andy Dolan, I'm totally out. Like, totally <laughs> out. Now, I could look like an idiot if it's Justin Fields because I, I love Justin Fields. I think he's fantastic. He's a great quarterback. He'll be able to hit him deep. Um, if it's Andy Dolan, like, if you can't make CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup good, you're not going to make Darnold Mooney good. Yeah. So are you buying or selling here? 
I'm buying. But I, I buy do that wanna... he does not hit 130. Yeah. No, the take is that he's not worth he... his draft cost. Do you think he's worth his draft? No, I don't buy that. I sell that. I buy the targets. I sell that he's not worth his draft cap because I do think he has some some upside there. But I'm still banking on Jimmy Graham somehow fizzling out of this offense at the start of the season. Best of luck, bro, Hemo. Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> happening. I think Jimmy Graham's there. He's going to be a permanent fixture there in Chicago for the rest of his life. He's going to be 45 and just jumping up in the air. And Are you buying uh, or selling? I am buying. Uh, but I do want to give some credence to the fact that I believe that maybe we're buying each other's takes because we're that good at selling them. No, you know, so one last thing oh, I want to say no. about Darnell Mooney. <laughs> the one, and one last thing I want to say about Darnell Mooney. People keep comparing him to Deontay Johnson. It's like, compare him there where he's a good separator, but he's still a worse Deontay Johnson. So you're drafting a worse Deontay Johnson, and you're drafting a guy that's probably going to get at least – like 30 to maybe possibly 50 fewer targets. Like if you told me Deontay Johnson's going to get around 110 targets and uh, probably three fewer touchdowns in a bad offense with Andy Dalton or even with a rookie quarterback, like, yeah, I don't want Deontay Johnson anymore. Like I love him, but if you're saying he gets worse as a player and less touchdowns and 50 fewer targets, like, no, that's a, that's a bad player. You know, it doesn't mean he's a bad player on the NFL level. It means he's inefficient. Bad for fantasy, fantasy football. player. Yes, yes, yes. All right, that's our show, guys. That was a lot of talk. It got heated. We made it. As always, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to hit that five star remark, unless remark mark, unless you know <laughs> you love Darnell Mooney. Then I'm sure we're not gonna get that five star remark is what i'm gonna start saying uh go over to the ballblastfootball.com i am your host michelle you can find me on twitter at ballblastem ballblast em and i'm kate you can follow me on twitter at ffballblast and i'm jake you can follow me at jake trowbridge with a w thank you guys we'll talk to you next week bye y'all bye bye that's it for this week's ball blast fantasy football podcast Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.